Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Saturday, May 13, 2023. I hope you're going to have a great weekend. And here's something for your weekend. It's a long-form podcast with my good buddy, Michael Jacobs a.k.a. Show Nye, a.k.a. Function. We're going to go through a couple years of his NFT trading. He got hacked a couple times. He's working on a couple projects as well. And we're going to go deep into the idea of voting, voting rights, how a vote should be weighted, one person, one vote, one token, one vote, should be weighted differently, the idea of a structure of a DAO. Anyway, it's a great conversation about the past couple years journey of somebody in the crypto space, as well as touching on how we look at governance and democracy. I hope you enjoy. And like always, you can reach out to me at bookings at todayinweb3.com. Oh, and one last thing. Parental discretion is advised. There's F-bombs all throughout this conversation. So if you're listening in the car with your kids and you probably don't want them to be exposed to certain language, (laughs) this is the one that you want to listen to by yourself. Enjoy. What's up? I'm with my good friend here, Michael Jacobs, a.k.a. Function, a.k.a. Crypto Shill 9. Now we're taking that one back. How you doing, sir? What's going on, my brother? Back to some right, just, days. Yeah, man, I just gave everybody the AKA uh, whole list of you like it was fucking FBI or some shit. Can you just, just go do us a real quick favor and just go through? Why do you have so many fucking names? Definitely. <laughs> I mean, Michael's my real name. That's my, my birth name. And when I first entered crypto in 2017, I just got really interested and inspired in the industry and uh, had a lot of fun flipping coins and doing ICOs, but also learning about the deep dynamics of Bitcoin and how it can honestly alter the potential of the financial system and and, and the direction that we're all headed. And so in 2018, I was just fucking around on Twitter one day, making some memes, sending some stuff out. One of my tweets went viral. And from there, the birth of quote unquote shill nigh was created because we we were joking around one day and and made a made a whole bunch of names and shill nigh the crypto guy just stuck. And so did that for a couple years and then came back into the NFT realm uh in in a public standpoint is function and so that's kind of the quick brief overview of 
multiple known identities in the public sphere. I, I love that. I love that. And I'm really happy we actually we did that because this goes back to like when you just came back into the crypto space. So I've known you since show nine days. Uh, you came on one of my old podcasts. We kicked it uh, quite a bit when it was uh, back in the 2017, 2018, 2019 cycle. Um, and then you just like said, fuck it. I am not doing anything in crypto for a while. You did some music. You traveled quite a bit. Uh, you basically just, you know, took some time off. But then you came in as Function. Nobody knew who you were when you were Function. And just tell us about that little journey of getting back into crypto and, like, aping into NFTs. Because you became, like, I would say you had a lot of uh, clout, like, pushing certain certain things. And you were also building, too. Just tell us about that little journey. Um, really, the Function account just started for fun. I wanted to follow the Board Ape community. I already had a Solana account that was a news account that I had 10,000 followers on. So I was already like back and involved in crypto to a decent degree and had done a lot of things on the back end privately when I was making music. So it never really fully left. Yeah, I just used it to kind of start by doing a couple of giveaways and participating in giveaways, seeing what the community was about, just like trying to understand what this thing was that was being created that was different from the token crypto culture that you and I are very familiar with since 2017, 2018 timeframe. As I did, I just started to fall in love with like the capacity the aspect of what was happening. Uh, saw Board Apes pretty early, around four or five eight, something like that. Got a couple of those. Was really, really early in Mutants. I think I got three and a half, four ETH, something like that. Um, and that got pretty publicized uh, largely. And then one of my- you say, You're saying when you bought, you bought them at, but like, what, what did they get up to? So you got them at three, but what did they get up uh, to? Like four days, I was buying at five ETH. I think my last sale was at a hundred, you know, and selling mul multiple on the way up, like continuously and trading in and out of assets. Mutants, I bought at three and a half. I think my largest sale was like 18, 20 ETH on those. Uh, but those also ran much further than I expected them to. I think they went up to 30, 33 ETH, like $100,000 after uh, each, after I, I had I pretty much sold all of them. I think I had one left. And then D-Gods was one of my more public plays as well. I was publicly selling a lot of mutants, moving it over to Solana and buying D-Gods. D-Gods were like three to four soul, actually like, yeah, about four to 10 soul when I was buying them and I accumulated 55 of them in that period. And, I, and, and mind you, like in between that, I'm making a lot of misses as well. You know, like I'm like aping shit, just like it's a shit coin. You, you buy 10 of them and eight of them get rugged and, and uh, two of them do well, you know, hopefully, maybe even one of them, hopefully. So this uh, is a volume game for you, correct? Like, so you were just like, basically, there's a couple things that really hit like, you know, board apes, mutant apes, I mean, honestly, when Board Ace came out, nobody knew it was going to be what it is, but it became what it is. D-Gods, again, I, I saw when you were starting to uh, ape into D-Gods, again, I was like, is this going to be the one or is this going to be the one that, that got rugged? Because I'm holding a bunch of crypto wieners right now that... Um, <laughs> I got a lot that, of those, friend. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So... Exactly. So, so, so it was a volume game for you. Yeah, it was a volume game because I had reached a capital level where I could play at a volume game. And I realized early on that while the bull trend was happening, it's almost like buy everything and you're going to have like five out of 10 hit, which is an like statistically outrageous number, you know, and those hits are not just recouping the capital of the five that you lost. It's like 10 xing or 20 xing it, you know, and in short time frames. So uh, I saw the same thing happening on Solana that was, had already happened on ETH like earlier in the bull run where bigger whales will come into an ecosystem and start to accumulate things and play games. And I was like, Solana has that potential. And um, D-Gods was one of my, uh, D-Gods and SMB were both two of my big conviction plays there that, that paid out well. So so when you said that you saw whales on ETH um, and they came over to Solana, uh, then you basically you're saying, 
either the whales are actually what are you saying you're saying the whales were buying in bulk holding and then selling or was it wash trading or they were just pumping the price or what, what, what was the the game of it no i'm more saying that the ecosystems had similarity in their potential and in their growth patterns but i had observed what was happening on solana like 12 to 18 months earlier on eve so when like ETH NFTs got popular, it was really like started, like the big wave started before Bored Apes. It was like uh, uh, waifus and hash masks because uh, Kobe, if you know Kobe on Twitter, he was pumping the fuck out of them. Um, and that was like the first big NFT play that like most people participated in um, beyond like crypto kitties and buying punks like throughout the 2018 bear market and shit like for people who were astute and early but i remember you'd buy a hash mask for like 0.015 or 0.2 eth or whatever next thing you know you've got a rare one you sold it for five eth it's all in like that was the first time i learned how to use OpenSea. i actually undersold my hash mask i had a two eth offer and i thought like to accept it i could just press these buttons and i accidentally sold it for one eth or something like that it was all it was all fucked up uh, I thought I was doing an auction. I was putting it for sale. Crazy stuff. So that was kind of what I had experienced on ETH. I had seen the growth of the ecosystem and how whale like accumulation could affect like micro valued assets to a super high degree. Something for minting for two hundred fifty dollars a board ape or three hundred dollars, whatever they minted for, can now go to three hundred thousand dollars. And that wasn't because of. I mean, partially it was due to community. But a lot of it had to do with market manipulation and asset-driven speculation because there were big buyers in an ecosystem. And so as I started to watch Solana grow, I was like, well, there could be big buyers that come here. It would be astute of me to buy a lot of the things that I think are going to do well. And I bought a lot of shit along the way. But I also bought like SMB Gen 1 for $800 and I sold it for $420,000. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, like two sets of them for that the purchase for eight hundred and then sold for four hundred and twenty k. So, like right. the 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 win to loss ratio on a percentage base might be low. Like I might have low low wins and high losses on a on a on a public spectrum or something like that to a degree. But the capital spectrum was always uh, I was always very astute with how I was doing it. I was never really like putting more than twenty to thirty thousand dollars in an asset. And at that time in a bull market, like like. I didn't give a fuck about that much, you know? Right, right. I bought a lot of NFTs as well. I, I didn't do nearly as well. Actually, I didn't do it. I didn't do good at all. I, I lost everything. I aped into everything. And then uh, either it was all rugs, all crap, or I couldn't sell them. Or you know what? I have a wallet full of, like I said, crypto wieners or, or some kind of punji panda or some shit like that that I have no clue. Anyway, yeah. um, how did you... Let me frame why I'm going to ask this first. Is like there's a way to look at the markets, the way to look at you know shit coins, meme coins, uh, NFTs, and so on and so forth, um, that you can get rugged and you can just basically waste your money on all of them. But you're finding ways to win as well. What is the metric when you're going into look for the NFTs that you're using to say this is a pop possibility and I'm not going to throw away my money because there has to be a little bit of science to this. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's not just eight. It's like people think oh, he's just blindly aping, but no, there's like a lot of like internal calculations that go on. Um, and I want to preface it with saying like the very first thing is like what is the market phase in? You know, like are we bullish on a macro spectrum, on a micro spectrum? Are we like bearish? Like what? Like what's the situation? 
um, because even if you're in a bull market, there's still micro bear patterns that happen with NFTs and you still need to know like when to calculate buying in and not and, and when, when to hold off. Really like one of the main things that I look for is like community driven incentive. And it's not like how many people are tweeting about it, but really how strong is the community? How, how much are they interacting with each other? How much is the ecosystem? How much have the founders like allowed for the ecosystem be self-organizing while also inspiring the self-organization. So with D-Gods really early, I could just tell they wanted to self-organize and what was different was it wasn't just like, oh, we're in a DAO and we got this Telegram group or this Discord group now, you know, and now we're chatting in this DAO and blah, 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 blah. Like, no, it was like a couple of them, at least a couple of these quote unquote, like what we call spheres, we'll get into that later in the governance section, but what we call these spheres, had essentially collated around the D-Gods brand and the D-Gods mission and created subsets of them with their own intention to help fuel their own like desires of what they want to create, but also aid in the like mission of furthering the D-Gods brand. Uh, and it had done so organically and, and, and in a self-organizing way. So I found that to be very interesting beyond the other things that were happening on Solana at that time that were like good, uh, but a lot of them were just people talking about stuff or just being in a group chat or just like, oh, here's the next alpha. And while the, all that is relevant and has its place, I was looking for the outliers that were going to be different. Early on, it was really all about luck, if I'm being honest with you, like Bored Apes. Bored Apes was, I was very observant of the community. I could see the same similar effect happening that I just described in Bored Apes very early. People wanting to co-collaborate with each other, people wanting to like do things beyond just be in a group chat or just talk about an asset or just brag about, like that's what I loved about Bored Apes in the beginning. Um, so I was able to like be strategic in that, but I wasn't like as strategic as like a lot of the early people were where they were like, I'm gonna buy 20 of these and I'm gonna hold them forever. I was more like, this is cool. I'll buy like one or two here and then one or two there and sell and buy and sell and buy, uh, which was strategic with my capital and, and smart. And a lot of the other stuff was just like aping random stuff. You know, it's like uh, to some degree, like like you have to realize that there has to be a balance between the calculation and the chaos. Like you're never going to be the most like calculated. You never have the best calculated strategy. Uh, and, and, and if you get too over calculated, then you're not going to be able to flow enough with the chaos. And if you flow too hard with the chaos without any calculation, then you never know like what the good time to sell is or like how like overinflated an asset could be in a specific category. It happens all the time in the crypto world. And so for me, it's like, how do you balance the calculations? Like the things that your mind can actually strategically uh, uh, build some sort of structure around in like an ever changing ecosystem while also being like, like fluctuary enough to flow with the chaos and move those structures that you created around when necessary, you know? Um, and that might mean destroying the whole structure when the bear market comes around and just being like, cool, that whole thing that I just did in the bull doesn't work anymore. It doesn't so, work. Yeah. Right? And so that's kind of like how you like have to play the game and how I've, I've been trying to find it. The balance between I, I did really well in the bull with that balance for a very long time and didn't do so great in the bear. Um, but learning a lot, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm a buy and huddle kind of guy. Um, I learned that I can't trade for shit. And uh, I'm not going to try because I lose my shit all the time, even though I did do better in the bear than I do in the bull. I don't know why. I always do way better in the bear. Maybe because it's more for conservative investors like I am and more than somebody that's yeah. going to ape into all kinds of shit, even though probably should have aped into that Pepe uh, the other day. Um, for real. It, for real. For real. But <laughs> one thing that you don't know that I told the people already because this is in the intro and you're not part of the intro 
is the reason why we're talking about this is it's talking about just a, a person, an average person for the most part in the crypto space that is going through different journeys. And we're going to touch on these th three different journeys today. We're talking about your NFT trading. We're going to talk about a little bit about what happened at the end of this NFT journey, your business ideas, because you've been messing with uh, AI quite a bit and also uh, going into like how governance structures are going to be. And so I want to just blend all that together. But before we get into that, your NFT journey is still going on, yet it came to a very abrupt end, and it had like a resurgence. Can you tell us about that story? Yeah, it. I got hacked twice. <laughs> Wait, so, I, it was twice. I, I thought it was once. No, no, yeah, it was hacked twice. twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I had accumulated a good amount of capital and was being decently strategic with it. Still a little bit degenerate, but decently strategic with it. Like I had sold a lot of my D gods in order to buy like property. And, and prepare for the bear market. And uh, little did I know we had already like really started the depth or the beginning of the depths of the bear market. And so I started to just like sit with that capital, you know, and, and start to like get ready to move it out strategically. And one day I wake up and my Solana wallet says on my phone, 2,500 Solana gone. And Solana's like 100, 110 bucks, you know what I mean? Uh, so 250K gone. And I go okay. to like run, run downstairs, like, check in with my body, check in with my computer, like no signs of any like malicious activity. I don't know what happened, right? Like mm -hmm. literally someone had remotely accessed my computer and known my password via like screen record. Somehow they had figured something out because I don't write my keys on the internet or, or any, anything digitally and like no one knows like fucking shit about them, right? That sucked, had to like bounce back from that. Like the stance that I took what it, like was just like, yeah, it happened. Like, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to cry about it or am I just going to keep going? So I kept going, started trading NFTs again. I think I made like 100K that week. Like it was still like semi, that was when OK Bears came out. So I was just like ripping OK Bears, just like buying all the rare ones for 50 souls, selling them for 250, just like rinse, repeat. I think I made 100 grand that week. Like Mojo's back, you know, a couple weeks later, we're testing a game. Because like me and my team are, well, you might listen to this and be like, wow, he's a good trader. Like we're actually like building businesses and very like strategic with our implementation of the things we build. And one of the things we were fucking around with, with one of our NFT projects was maybe building a tic-tac-toe game on Solana. So we had hired a dev and he was testing some stuff and I fucked up because I fucked up and I didn't connect the right wallet. I connected my one of my main wallets and he saw all the NFTs I had in there. He saw my name was Function in the game. And d d d d five minutes later, all my NFTs are gone. And uh, whoa, what was the yeah, value? A lot, a lot. Uh, probably about three or four hundred thousand at least, something like that. Yikes, man! Um, Yikes! Yeah, yeah, it was. So, not so fun. did you did you get anything out of this whole experience? Like you said, you went. We went from board apes to mutants. We went. We were seeing OK bears and D gods. You started an NFT project. What was it? Was it tripping tripping bunnies? Yeah, trippy bunny driving. All right, all right. So, so you so you did that. Did you, did you see any wins? Did you get anything out? Did you, are you Do you have anything to show from it? I mean, I've got a lot to show in the experience realm. You know, okay. like <laughs> I sat with it for a while. And if I'm being honest, like after the second hit, um, I went down for a little bit. You know, I was like pretty depressed and like trying to figure out my own shit. And like my friends were trying to help. But like when you got a huge tax bill and you like have like, like fucking just got lost all your money. Like, like not like not much like anybody can say to like pull you out of that you right. gotta pull your own you gotta pull yourself out of their own that own shit so i sat in it for a little while tried to figure out what the fuck was up um and then i finally pulled myself out of it and i was just like you know what like 
the reality is I was flipping monkey pictures for a couple hundred thousand dollars a month or a couple hundred thousand dollars every day, like in the bull market, you know, like, like this is like, like part of what it's part of what it's part of what I'm good at. I'm great at taking risks. And if like, if I'm going to be that person that continues to take big risks, because that's how I like to live, then I also have to be okay with really big losses and really, really high pressure, pressure situations when I do take losses. And so I've just taken more of that mentality of like, okay, cool. Like instead of whining about it and crying about it, it's time to like get up, get my mind focused, get my body right. Look at all the, the ways that I like allowed my habitual patterns to like destroy me in a bear market or to weaken me in a bear market. Like get, get those under fucking wraps, get those fucking like all like under, under, like under control, you know, and, and into a, into a, like uh, a harmonized and synthesized way of living. And like, just prepare your fucking shit next, like get really good for the next bull market. The reality of it is it was like last bull market, I didn't have that much money to start and I ended up with a lot of it. And I was pretty fucking late. I was buying ETH like eight, $900. I wasn't buying it at 80. I was watching it at 80, <laughs> you know? And so now I'm like a lot more strategic. I have a lot more experience. I have a lot of assets, not just like physical assets, but like working assets, like businesses that we're building that are bringing in revenue and capital and things that are going to only continue to expand when a bull market uh, 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 comes around. And that's what I have is like the best positioning that I've ever had with the best team possible right now um, in like the best timing possible getting ready for a bull market. I'm going to paraphrase and fuck up the quote at the same time. But there's, there's this quote about trading in markets. It's like you lose in your first bull market you miss your second bull market and then you get rich in your third bull market and this is gonna be both of our third bull markets and i did the same thing in the first one the first one i took a lot of risk i traded i lost a lot i made some gains too and it was also it was just straight dumb luck it was dumb luck the second one been hodling um didn't capitalize when i should have you know sixty nine thousand dollar bitcoin you know five thousand dollar eth it, it there's there's mistakes made as well there you know took yeah. a little bit off but you know there's mistakes made third one i feel that there's going to be a lot of opportunity and then with the experience built through those other um bull markets you see the ups and downs the highs the troughs and so on and so forth uh this is gonna be a good time to uh capitalize and use that experience through these other two bull markets uh into the third um this next bull i think is going to be about ai to be honest with you. I think it's going to be either crypto AI generated, it's going to be AI generated, but it's going to hit the crypto space somehow. I don't know how it's going to, going to do it. Um, you could be talking about traditional markets when we see NVIDIA's went up because of AI. Uh, we see Microsoft people going in, aping into Microsoft as well. Um, we see different companies trying to pull and gather their resources to you know go into AI. You have been playing with AI quite a bit. What do you see the... First, let me, let me ask this. What do you think that people should do right now with AI to make sure that they understand and what AI is capable of. Just play with it. Like, that's it. Learn how to prompt. But, but, what, but what in general? general? Like, ChatGPT, BidJourney, like, anything that you see that's new and interesting that's coming out, like, play with it. Like, get to know the ecosystem. Get to know the tool. Like, I'm probably, what, like, three months into my mid-journey, or not mid-journey, uh, uh, ChatGPT experience, you know? I probably figured it, like, learned about it maybe in December or January. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But, um... Long story short, I've been playing with it for a while, but it was not until last weekend that I finally figured out like the way, in my opinion, to use it the best, at least so far, you know. Uh, and that's like, 
come with a lot, a lot of like trial and error. You know, the first version of GBT that I was playing with was just like you ask it a question, it answers it, or maybe it makes you a spreadsheet, but it like has a lot of errors and you have to edit it. You know, like essentially, like once you learn how to prompt it correctly, you can have conversations with it and it becomes instead of it becoming like, and this is where I think people like miss calculate with the AI they're like oh well AI is going to take over everything and do like do our jobs for us and I'm like no like it'll help you do your job better than it could ever do or you could ever do if you're using it properly like does that make sense like it's right. not it's not like some like ambiguous tool that's just like all of a sudden oh well it knows everything and therefore it can do everything and it's going to take over like there's right. still the human element of creativity and the human element of intellect that will like uplift like the information that it's fed, you know, like the more information that we like start to like have new ideas about and new concepts around the better that it gets. And so my conceptualization around it is like, like specifically with chat GPT, it's like, this is like a tool to feed it what you want it to know and then ask it where you're wrong or what you're not seeing or like like the blind spots that 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 are potentially in the ideas and like help you like conceptualize deeper around it give us some examples of that though like so i understand about prompting yeah you prompt chat gpt i've been using chat gpt uh mid-journey and so on and so forth i saw that you made a uh a couple podcasts um with fake ai voices your voices being one one of them you know it seems pretty surface it's like where do what do you think that's out of the box what how do you think that um people can use ChatGPT or MidJourney that is just an out-of-the-box idea or thought. Here's a great example. This is the way that I've been using it is like I, uh, which is probably a conversation we're going to get into a little bit later, but I'm very much into the, the conceptualization around the DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, and how they can be... No, it looks like we're getting into it now. Great. <laughs> uh, how they can be effectively structured so that individuals who choose to enter or participate in a DAO can be sorted and, and organized to their best of their ability so that the DAO can be uplifted. Um, and we'll get into more of like what that means and, and the deeper depths of what I'm talking about there later. But what I did for which at GPT is we have a whole constitution. And so my team, uh, before I even got before I got to Boulder over the last five years has been writing uh, what they call the meta canon, and it's a five-page legal doc or a, a forty-five-page legal document that essentially entails all the different aspects of a decentralized autonomous organization, how it functions, uh, and how how it can be organized. As also also doubling as a legal document uh, um, to 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 be put out uh, and utilized in a legal structure for DAOs. Um, and so I put that document into ChatGPT. I put a bunch of supporting documents in that I had written, like around my conceptualization of the idea and how I would translate it into crypto language more. Because when I first came here, it wasn't like introduced to crypto; it was just a document. Um, and so I did all of that. I fed it a ton of information, like eighty pages of information, into a specific chat. And I was like, "Do you understand all of this?" And it's like, "Yeah, I understand it." I was like, cool, now point me, like point out five like blind spots that I'm not seeing. 
in how this Tao conceptualization model could work. And it's labeling five points. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now compare this philosophy that we've written to philosophies of Plato, Socrates, and other like big philosophers throughout history that have talked about uh, uh, self or uh, uh, self organization or uh, yeah self organization and like governance and these sort sort of topics. And all of a sudden, I'm getting all of these comparisons, you know. And then from there, I sat and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, how can this be? put into an effective format, you know, that can actually be utilized by people. So I said, ChatGPT, uh, write me an outline of, uh, of, of, a, a, of a worksheet uh, a course that, that DAO founders could go through in order to answer the necessary questions they need to answer to create a DAO governance structure and the necessary elements to make it functional according to our constitution. And it writes me an outline. And then I copy each of them in and I say, write the full worksheet, write the full worksheet, write the full worksheet. And now I have eight pages of eight, eight different worksheets, 30 different pages that I could send founders through uh, that would have usually taken me probably four to five days to not only conceptualize, but to write and to structure and to make look like pretty. All I had to do was make sure the Google Doc had our branding properly in it and then copy and paste. And then go through and write a whole bunch of like edits and all these other minor things that, that can get structured in there. And then all of a sudden, boom, we have a whole template for uh, how DAOs can, can, can be con constructed and configured and all that stuff. And to go even a little bit deeper, then I, I take all, all of that chat and I say, now that you have all of this information, I want to create a video game that can model the DAO structure that I've created here and can make it fun and enticing. You know, and now all of a sudden, for the last four days, I've been having a conversation back and forth with ChatGPT about game ideas, about how it would work. I've got a base structure of an idea, so I'm getting all like having conversations with it about templates and like how would this work, how would that work, and it's a a, a beautiful model. And I can tell it where it's wrong too, which is the coolest part. I can say this won't work because it's a little too centralized, and they'll say, "Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay, well, how about this?" Um, it's like almost having like 18 Harvard professors to have a conversation with at once. <laughs> All right. I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'll go that far. It seems like a, a really good, uh, smart assistant uh, that maybe went to Harvard. Um, and and can do research re really quick. Um, a little bit better than that. But <laughs> a little bit better than that? Okay, 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 fair enough. Um, one of, one of the, I want to go, go into like the dials in a little bit, but uh, I just want to kind of push back with, with the AI thing. It's like... You said that you were having a conversation with the with AI with ChatGPT, and you were going back and forth with it's telling it where it's wrong. The the good thing about about having a conversation with the person, it's just kind of like what I'm going to do here, is you can push back and say, actually, no, that sounds kind of dumb. It seems like you're just uh, you have a computer or a AI model that's just telling you what you want to hear, and then reaffirming your original thoughts and trying to make, say it in a way that makes you agree with it. And then once you do that, you kind of set yourself, put yourself in a self-actuating bubble. It, that's what it sounds like to me. Does the ChatGPT push back in a way that makes you change your mind because it might be right and you have the actual human experience conversation? Or do you still need people for that? No, no, it definitely helps me. That's, that's why I use it. Like, I don't just use it to conceptualize new ideas that it can create. I actually use it to show me where I'm not thinking about things so that I can think about them to a greater degree. And so like my first question when I asked ChatGPT where are the blind spots, it's not so that like 
it can tell me what it thinks it's right. It's so that I can read it and say, oh, whoa, from, from what it just wrote, I had this crazy idea. Oh, wow, yeah, I could really take like this model and change it into this direction. Or for example, like when I was talking to it the other day about voting mechanisms, I'm like, cool. So to me, it seems like there needs to be more voting factors than just tokens. And also to me, it seems that contribution should be a, a, a major factor in that. And contribution is defined as A, B, C, D, E in my view. What are some other ways that I'm not thinking? And one of the things that it brought up was reputation. And reputation just spurred a whole other conversation that's been happening for at least a week now through Twitter spaces and other things because it beca becomes this idea that no longer is a DAO structured on voting or even just contribution, but also how do people think about your contribution? Like, do they think you did a good job? Do they, do they perceive the actions that you have done are actually creating uh, um, um, active uh, uh, engagement and active differences in the DAO, all of these different things, which also led to a, a whole other sector, which was participation, which is just like how much you're showing up. So like, that's what I'm getting at. It's not, it's actually almost just as good. It's it's just as good as having a uh, intellectual conversation with someone when there's like no ego involved and they're both asking each other questions and the idea is expanding naturally. Um, then it is like it's almost just as good as that is what I'm getting at. Has ChatGPT ever hurt your feelings? No, but it's made me think about things in different ways that have like <laughs> definitely made me think like wow, the idea that I thought was like really concrete and solid is not. You know, okay, um, fair enough. There's a lot. There's a lot more that I can like be thinking around these topics, which is just naturally humbling. So not not feeling hurting, but humbling. <laughs> gotcha. Understood. Understood. You said something when you were talking about the DAOs, and look, it, uh, do you agree with my statement that AI is going to be the next bull? I believe that definitely. Um, not definitely. It definitely feels to a degree that it will have a lot of impact on the next bull, and I'm not sure how yet, but it feels impactful. I, I, I kind of agree with that, and I don't know how it's going to be. But but then there's, we're talking about the crypto space, but then again, there's so much things that are going to be touching AI that we don't know where the bull is going to come from when it comes to AI. And there could be multiple um, bulls. I mean, that's one thing that would happen over um, 2021, 2020, 2021, and so on and so forth. You know, the, we had the S&P 500. We had the tech sector. We have meme stocks as well as meme coins. Uh, we had Bitcoin as well and Ethereum. But we also had, you know, Solana and other, you know, layer ones that came out. So there was a lot of bull action going around all in different markets, but in different industries as well. And so AI, just to piggyback off what you said, I think AI is going to be a big part of the next bull. But in what fashion and how is that going to touch the different industries? I have absolutely no clue or what industries are going to be affected by this whole um, next upcoming bull. But you said something with the Dow that I thought was very interesting. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. More voting structures than tokens. And I think that's, that's very important because I have a big beef with DAOs. And I never thought that DAOs was actually a good model uh, to use because of the way they're used. I'm saying, okay, let me take that back. The, the, the current system of and setup of DAOs, it seems as though they all were the same thing. And, uh, and obviously, you've been thinking and, and creating DAOs for some time now. Uh, so you, this is going to expand. This can probably be a little basic, and you can expand on this a little bit. Uh, but I always figure that if somebody creates a DAO to kind of like virtue signal to a group or a community, that we are going to be this uh, decentralized autonomous organization, and you're going to be able to vote. This voting power comes with tokens, so buy the tokens which makes p- price go up. So therefore, people that have tokens can cash out tokens. It creates also liquidity in the market as well. But people have already been granted those tokens. So either you're a whale, you buy the tokens, you have uh, you know, voting power now because you bought the tokens, or you're a founder that's been granted, granted themselves tokens so you can have more voting power. Basically, if, if, especially if you have friends who are going to be part of this structure, which are communicating in the back end, you know, the security laws or the laws of, of the stock market don't operate the same way as uh, in crypto. Uh, you're talking to your to your boys in the back end. And so you're going in there and you are creating this whole system yeah. that actually works in your favor. And then when they so then when the token or the, uh, the community or the company votes on a new protocol or a new to amend a contract or a smart contract or, you know, deal with a hack or, you know, grant tokens to a foundation or so on and so forth. It basically goes the way that the that was already planned in the future. So the community that thought that they were buying into a democracy actually wasn't. They were buying into, um, what would you say, an aristocracy that was already divvied up their, their, their tokens. I always, that's the way I always felt about most of these DAOs. There's some DAOs that operate outside of that. It, first, am I right with that assumption? And second of all, if I am right, how do you fix that? Oh, it's a long, long, long question, good question, long answer, and great conversation starter. The nature of DAOs right now, so to a degree, that's not like a problem, right? Because to a degree, there needs to be some sort of centralized vision and some sort of centralized like direction. And that's what we essentially call the founder sphere. It's not directed by one person, but directed by a group of people that all steward the DAO's vision, right? And, and, and help foster uh, the creation of it. And so right now, yes to a degree i really don't see any super big like well-functioning DAOs, like in to a super large degree at this moment i think there's some that have effectively implemented different factors of the DAO that are uh, uh leading us towards that direction so like there's no shame to them they're doing a great job uh, but i don't see any that have like like really sat and thought about and articulated a lot of the like deep depth uh, and concepts of DAOs that we are, are stirring on on a daily basis. So that's really where I would start is, A, yes, there's there's some necessary elements of centralized vision in order for a DAO to function, or else why the fuck are people coming to a DAO? Like, what's the purpose of it? Um, which is one thing that people don't think about a lot. And then two, the second thing about people don't think about it a lot is like, how do these people want to actually correlate around these concepts? Like, what are like the, the visions that 
that the DAO wants to continue to pursue and how are they pursuing those visions in, in relation to clearly directing and or clearly articulating the vision to people so that they can be self-directed and self-organized. And that's the biggest question to me because it seems right now that usually what a group, uh, like here's a great example, like to simplify it, right? Like if a DAO is a video game, then everyone right now is just sitting in the fucking lobby. That's how every DAO is. Until you can organize people into clans and until those clans have missions and until those missions have rewards and, and are incentives Incentivize, and until those like people complete those and get those rewards and see they're real, and until those like actions that they complete uplift the DAO, like then all of a sudden like you you really don't have shit. You have a group of people that are all talking about ideas, maybe sharing some buys and sells in a group chat and doing some cool stuff. And they've own oh, no, they own an NFT that's like their token gated access to it. It's a token gated community is what it is. It's not a DAO, and that's that's a very very big big difference um, right now. Uh, because people think that just like throwing money into a treasury and then calling it a DAO because they've token gated a Discord is effective, and it it, it is to uh, some means and some degrees because some of the elements of DAOs are being explored there in the conceptual nature and testing theories. But a lot of them haven't even really figured out why they exist yet, and that's like seems to me to be the first step. No, no, you, I I guess when I thought of that question, I was looking at this Arb Foundation, uh, Arbitrum Foundation's. Uh, recent news and where they kind of like screwed the DAO this is what it looks like to me by reading the news is they, they screwed the DAO and granted themselves like 750 million dollars for their foundation to to, thri- uh, to foster building on ARP this is what it looks like and the DAO was like hey I don't know about this but then they kind of like pushed it through because they had leverage with the tokens and so I, I, I what I always d- was disappointed to because when we got into the space in 2017 we thought that this was going to be the centralization of finance. We thought that this was going to be the democratization of these organizations. Um, and it never turned out that way. And now we're, you know, six, seven years later, and we're still dealing with something called a DAO that doesn't seem to work the way that we thought it was going to be working because we don't have the benevolent dictators creating the DAOs that are appropriate for the functions that they are trying to implement. And so, like, what is the solution to create the outcomes that we hoped were going to be there in 2017? Okay, I got two things for you. First, I would reiterate and say that it's not that it didn't work, it's that it is working. And it's like a longer process than we maybe have previously expected um, and intended it to be. But there's more people interested in Bitcoin than ever before. It's more utilized as as an asset for, for decentralized finance than ever before, especially than it was in 2017. And the concepts of all of these things have progressed a lot. I don't want to put it down completely. That's the only edit that I was. Wait, 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 wait! Don't, but don't put Bitcoin in there. I never said Bitcoin. I'm, I'm definitely referring to a DAO structure. Oh, 100 percent. Because I don't even oh, think okay. people were talking about that as much either in, in, in 2017. You know what I mean? Like they, could, they maybe they were conceptualized. The, the the reality is they were conceptualized, but there was never enough like tooling in the ecosystem to be like able to test it and to play around with it, right? Um, like they've been conceptualized since like the beginning of history. Um, and so my, my thought process is like how, because it's actually a really, really curious question because when we're talking about DAOs and when when you're asking that question, it's less of how do we make these things more effective, but it's like, how do we let go of control more? Because what I view DAOs are as DAOs are actually like the natural forming structures of like what has to, like what has to, and what always exists. 
So like when you look at nature and you're like, how the fuck did this pack of wolves come together? And how do they have this dynamic hierarchy between them where there's this alpha and then there's an omega and then there's a beta. There's like five hierarchies of wolves. If you ever studied wolves before, it's fucking insane. And they all structure into this hierarchical pattern uh, uh, that is well organized based upon like their skill set from birth. Like it's all based upon like how the wolves uh, 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 are raised and how they how they interface with other wolves pretty pretty much puts them in a class structure within this 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 group and it's all done naturally in in the 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 hierarchy of nature and it happens all the fucking time in nature if you're like looking at it and starting to study it lions fucking gazelle all this shit does it to different degrees and different effects and so my curiosity becomes if it's able to do nature so well then it seems to be that human ego and human control and human tyranny to a degree, like the nature of humans to be tyrannical in their controlling nature of things that they are love and are passionate about or, or, or vice versa. That seems to be the external factor that is, is weighing heavily on our ability to do that as humans. And so if we can let go of control more and allow more of the structural patterns to like form naturally rather than either a forcing them to or sometimes forcing them to not by putting structures in place that are doing the opposite effect of that which is happening a lot in DAOs right now um then all of a sudden like i actually think that like if some like if there's the structure in place and if people understand it on the conceptual level they'll be able to replicate it on a on a, on a physical and realistic level and my final thought on it is i think it's going to give us the necessary structure to bring it to a like a higher level like a governmental level uh in, in like the next 20 or 30 years because like what DAOs are doing is like they're essentially testing the framework of self-organization and self-governance that has always existed all almost all of history like you can go study fucking socrates and plato they're talking about self-governance and all of this shit but they never had tools to actually test it. Like there was never anything like, and there was never an ecosystem for them to play around with their concepts. And so they always just lived into in conceptual form. And so now we have the ability to play with them. And while a lot of people, including myself in the past, have just shamed DAOs and been like, oh, well, they suck and this is this. It's actually the first time we're ever testing concepts that have been around for like years, like hundreds of years. So in that regard, my, standpoint is like how do we let go of control more and allow these things to self-organize better and how can we support the self-organization of them better um and that's been my main curiosity you know i i do like that i do like that i think letting go of control is key and 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 dollar is nothing more than democracy and and democracies have been around like using socrates plato you know the romans the greeks and so on and so forth uh, some sort of elected uh, function of governance um, where you have votes. And then when it doesn't work out, you know, the civilization would have to evolve or fall and then something else will pop up and learn from the past and create something new. And that's kind of what happened with the United States where we have this uh, form of democracy uh, for, for better or worse. And we do see that it has its limitations and its challenges, also its uh, benefits as well. I guess when I when I see the creation of new forms of DAOs, it is about it is about letting go of control. If we're going to compare this to the, the United States and a democratic process, um, juxtapose that to creating a company where you have to let go of control and the hopes that the system 
has a, is a good enough system to drive for the goals of said company or said protocol or said you know whatever you're trying to build um who is going to do that i guess like who is going to we had one person in the crypto space do it satoshi nakamoto that basically said hey here it is this is how it's going to work and it's working pretty it's working it's pretty working damn good uh, with that said, there's been question, questionable choices with almost every other protocol. I mean, even even Ethereum, there has been when they when they forked Ethereum to Ethereum Classic because of the hack, um, and there was very much question of like, is this really what we're trying to build? So, who who is going to use a DAO and a purpose that is going to be less control and bigger than themselves in an aspect of creating something for society or a business that you believe that a DAO will fit into? I mean, I think there's many different models that there can be. I think they're starting as investment groups. Um, and uh, I imagine like phil or philanthropical uh, DAOs will be probably pretty important in the future. But like what I'm trying to get at in terms of the actual effect on the government governance structure is like if we're gonna get deep with it, like realistically, I think that there's like a whole like structural like, and we would pretty much all agree at this point. There's a whole structural. Uh, 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 construct that seems to be inefficient in our government, um, and I think it's all, like has to do with a uh, uh, much more macro and meta view of anything. Like before we get into micro, like we could analyze and sit all day and say, well, government did something wrong here, and the government did something wrong there, right? Um, but the fact of the matter is, I think the government has just like essentially misaligned themselves with like reality. Like they don't like. The government right now is to, like like we, we wouldn't see it as tyrannical from a physical standpoint right like you wouldn't say like yo this is like like a tyranny and like we live under like like laws that like are fucking like brutal but uh, like on a like energetic level to a degree it's like tyrannical and, and pretty controlling and and every government is to different degrees and it comes out differently like some countries are much much more worse than us so i don't want to like say we have it terrible or something but you get what i'm saying with that it's like there's a controlling nature to it so my curiosity is how do these like potential models that we're building expand to government regions um because i was listening to a podcast the other day and it was they were talking about in reality right now like the whole governmental structure is is broken to a degree because up until the digital age it works it worked great you know you got the judicial branch and the legislative branch and all these like uh, structures to the government that they work but now you need a digital branch like you actually need a branch that can like handle the on flow and the influx of information at a high degree and learn how to structurally like and efficiently articulate uh, uh, that message to the broader audience so that decisions can be be, be made on an effective basis like we look like fucking imbeciles uh, uh, when our, 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 our Congress is talking to the CEO of TikTok and they're like, wait, you use the camera to record them? That sounds really weird. And they're like, no, they allow it because they want to be public on their videos. That's how every video platform works. You know, we look ignorant. Um, and we've looked ignorant for a while around cryptocurrencies and things like that. So it ties relevantly into the topic. So it's like, how do you restructure the government in a way which is a lot of people's top, like a lot of people converse about this. How do you restructure government in a way that's more effective and can actually be uh, uplifting of, of not only the, the population of the United States, but like congruent with the population of the world? Like how do we all work together? 
while that's such a big, broad, conceptual topic, I think that's really what DAOs are touching on. It's like we're building like if we couldn't if we can't figure out in a group chat with fucking 25 people then how the fuck are we going to figure it out with 25 million or 250 million you know what i mean <laughs> true billion so um that's kind of what i see that is like the beginning like spurts that are happening in the conversations around DAOs. we're really 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 starting to get to the core questions of like what matters in voting what, like, how do you measure those metrics that matter in voting? How do you weigh those metrics that, me that matter in voting? Like, how do you do all of these things appropriately? It's very, very deep. I don't want to have this go on too much longer because nobody wants to listen to an hour conversation anymore. Um, but these are very damn interesting questions. And, I, and, I, and I, I don't know if you know, but I dabble in politics a little bit. These are, these are interesting questions. Um, but what you said something about what is the weight of, of a vote? And it should be just, in my my mind, one person, one vote, right? One person, one voice. The vote is the voice, and the vote is equal. Uh, do you do you think that the vote should be treated differently for different people, or that there should be different weights to different votes, or should that maybe the weight f for the vote be on different topics or different subjects depending on the person and their disciplines? Or I don't claim to have the right answer, but I don't think that a flat voting system works. And that's what I've like come to like my observation, like my conclusion currently. So we're going to, back to like like the, the the landowners only, and that they had it right back in the seventeen seventy six, or actually <laughs> no, but like <laughs> like you can't have a flat voting system where everybody gets one vote because it doesn't contribute, or like it doesn't like it doesn't like account for a ton of factors. It doesn't account for if I'm being honest, like intelligence and IQ level. Like how much can someone like uh, like separate as well as EQ level? How much can someone separate like the intellectual discussions that's happening around a specific topic from their emotional feelings about it? You know, which is like a very very hard thing to do, uh, and it doesn't account for the percentage of the population that doesn't give a fuck about voting, which is a decent fucking part of the population. But those people still do care about the impacts of those po of those 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 policies on their lives, and so it doesn't it doesn't incentivize any form of participation. It just kind of says, well, here's a voting system. Like if you want to vote, you can. If you don't vote, it's going to impact your life. If you do vote, it's going to impact your life and we have no transparency around if the votes are actually calculated correctly so if you do vote on something it could impact your life in the way that you don't want it to as well because you could lose even if you won right like there's so many different factors it doesn't account for and so in a more balanced unflat weighting system i would hope that more of those questions become answered it's not that it's perfect but it can evolve and it can actually grow the problem with a flat organization or a flat organizational structure or a flat voting structure is that it can't grow it's stuck it's only going to be one vote one person all time the only thing that can ever change is how many people vote that's the only thing that can change and which way they vote and so if you start to implement other things like contribution, how much are people doing for the community or for that organization or for that government that are direct tasks that are necessary that we've already outlined based upon the vision, the purpose, and the goals that excel it forward? Reputation. How well are you actually doing those tasks? Not just by the, the, the result of the task, but by how other people perceive you. Because if you're a fucking asshole and you're disrupting the whole thing, but you're making like a couple good things happen, here and there the organization doesn't want you 
It's just not gonna fucking happen, right? And then also like participation. How often are you there? In a, a, a governmental structure and, and, and you're voting and you're contributing to things but you're not showing up or you're not reading proposals or maybe you're just clicking the little like button because you read the first two sentences but you didn't read it all, you're not contributing to the actual development of the proposal, then why the fuck should your vote be considered any like any equally as valuable as the guy that's just sitting there with his dick in his hand all day right so there is like and 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 i i really really do believe that some sort of like a more balanced structure will actually like lead to more incentivization because we'll just take it from a DAO perspective right now if it's one vote one token then like most people are unincentivized to participate because they know the whales that are way bigger than them will always run the DAO, they'll always win the votes, they'll always make the decision, so why even try? But if you have contribution and participation and reputation, then all of a sudden, Susie with five tokens might have more voting power than Steve with a million, you know, because Steve's just been doing nothing the whole time, thinking that he can just buy the vote, but Susie's been in the Discord, she's been working, she's been completing tasks, people like her, she's lovable, they're upvoting her partic or her reputation. She's been participating in every single aspect she can. All of a sudden, she's got the a heavier voting power than the guy with a million tokens. And I think that's like on a on a DAO level important and on a governmental level important because there's a lot of stupid people in the world that like don't think. So right right now, I'm I'm very much active, obviously, in politics, and uh, I go out every weekend because we're trying to get a petition into Ohio. Um, to protect uh, women's health care here in Ohio. So we had, you know, with, when the Dobbs decision came down, uh, they canceled Roe versus Wade. Uh, over here, there was a, a law that they said six weeks abortion rights. And, you know, well, there was no discussion. It's just, boom, trigger law, that's it. And we're trying to get this on the ballot so it gets people to be able to vote. So I'm out there every, every day, every weekend, uh, you know, trying to get signatures to get this into the ballot so it can go into the Constitution and people can vote on it. The reason why I'm telling you this is because I can go around the city, I go around the county um, and I see different people and I always see the same people. And it's this handful of people, you know, probably around four or five hundred that literally is driving through these different things. And they're in all the meetings. They stand on the corner and, and find these petitions. And when they're done with those petitions, they're knocking doors for candidates. And when they're done knocking doors for candidates, they're trying to do fundraisers and raise money. And after they're done doing that, they're doing barbecues in people's backyards to get people together to have you know meetings to talk about different topics. And after they're done doing that, they're driving down to the Capitol to sit in and, and listen to the state house and listen to proposals. It's this small group of people, four or 500, in the, at least in this county, maybe 1,000, um, out of 2 million or so, right? And that's and when I think of, hear what you say, it's like yeah, like w these people are tuned in. These people are working their ass off for the things that's supposed to benefit everyone. But a lot of people either don't have time, don't care, aren't paying attention, and so on and so forth, right? Um, so why should? And I, I I do believe that one person one vote, but again, it it does get kind of frustrating that people are not getting incentivized to get involved, even though it is affecting their lives. And it, it, the hindsight is. You know, after something passes, they'll they'll complain and go, "Well, that's not what I wanted." Well, where were the where the fuck were you when this shit was going on and we needed you to help? You know, or you know, opposite, where were you fighting against it? Even you know, where were you? You know, so it's like, how do you incentivize people yeah. to get involved? And I do I do like that. And it's and and like, how do you look at the incentivization models that are like getting people to be involved right now? And how do, how are they broken? That's like kind of what I also question because hmm. like it's clear to me that like. In an ecosystem 
that's a community, AKA something that affects like when a decision happened, it affects more than one people, <laughs> more than one person, right? It affects a group of people. That's a community. So when, when that happens and when that occurs, it seems to me that the traditional incentive model of ha like hiring people for monthly positions is ineffective. Then it's based upon like certain tasks getting done and certain like, like structures existing that are almost like limiting to the community's ability to like grow and thrive. Right. Like it almost need like the community when it gets to a certain point and like when it starts to come out and like be, be start to get big, it, 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 it it's like, yes, you, you, may, you might pay a founder this much, you might do this, or you might do that. But like, how do you reshape the incentive models where like, okay, this position might be $8,500 a month, but it's not hired. It's just like there's $8,500 a month in this like task budget that this, that this thing has and people can sub in and they can sub out and other people can support because like a really thriving ecosystem has like spheres and things that need to get done, but people are always intermittently subbing out in between them. There's not just like, well, I'm in my cubicle over here, bro. You got a report you need done. That sucks. You know, I'm in my cubicle. Like I'm really good at reports. But like on my task list, this is what my boss told me to do. So like, I'm not, I'm not touching your thing. I'm really good at it. I could probably get it done in five minutes, but I'm just not going to help you. But we're on the same team. It doesn't make sense. And that's how the corporate structure is. That's how the governmental structure is. And so it really requires deep conversation and a lot of rethinking around these topics. Last thing I want to say, because we got, we got to stop this. Nobody's going to listen to an hour and now we're at five minutes. Um, we're just, I'm going to, I'm going to edit this down. I'm going to edit this down. Uh, but last, last thing I want to say, because you, you, you said something I thought, again, is something that I'm actually struggling, struggling with right now is the inability for people to do work for the work's sake or for the goal's sake. And what do I, what do I mean by that? And maybe I'm just a naive person. Maybe I'm just stupid in the way I do things. But I think it maybe has to be a lot to do with you know, crypto. I don't I never expected to get anything out of the crypto space. But I keep putting things in. Either it's education, either it's podcasts, either it's talking to people, if it's helping people, if it's introducing people, if it's setting up people with you know um, jobs or or what have you. It's always about putting in, and in even if it's you know buying buying coins, I don't I don't expect that these things are going to go up only. <laughs> I know that it's some summer times are going to go down, or just be a rug. Um, but I always put in with the ex expectation that eventually I will get something out because I am working to always trying to contribute. And I feel that there's a loss with that. And you said that because I'm in my cubicle, this is my report, I'm good at reports, but that's not my task list, that we don't have enough people doing that, just in society in general, that it's always about what do I get paid? Am I going to get paid for the job? And if I'm not going to get paid for the job, I'm not going to go any further than the, the outline that you gave me even though I think that how you create good entrepreneurs, good founders, um, a vibrant society, um, good communities is actually people just going out to do things for doing the thing's sake. 100%. Yeah. And my answer to that, and I don't have like the answer to it, but it's like the structure to the answer to that is how well does a visionary uh, communicate like his vision to his team or to an integrator or someone who can communicate it to his team well and structure it. And that's where a lot of the DAO conversation comes in around our documents and the things that we've been doing is like, yes, you want an organization that can self-organize and do its own thing, but it needs some base structure or at least things that people can organize into 
so that they're not just like, well, Steven's good at tweeting and Bob's good at DMing people, so they should run a Twitter account. Function, Michael, it was good <laughs> talking to you, man. And um, we'll pick this up some other time. Sounds good, brother. Thanks for having me on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.